a little something. Can we get a little something for the incels in the house? Can I get a little something for the incels? Make sure that microphone is right up on. It's right up. It's all up in my cloaca. <laughs> Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. Full of shame. <laughs> Full of shame, yes. <laughs> and we're going to be talking a lot about shame, I think, in this episode. Oh, there's a I, lot of it. Yes, I am I am Mark Davis, and I am here with Seth Ford. How are you, Seth? And I am Ford. <laughs> you are <laughs> Davis and Ford. Um we are here today. Uh, some of these songs, I think we've mentioned before, we love to do. Mm. Um, there are bands that we don't like, and we've got a couple of those on the docket that we're very excited about. Yes. Uh, Lee has told me today that he picked his song. Oh, excellent. So we'll have to make that happen soon. And I don't think the audience would know that Lee, we're looking forward to him as possibly being a first guest. Yes, absolutely. Yes, which I'm um, excited about. Yes, and uh, and I am also very excited about it. Um, so there are a lot of situations that we are looking forward to and that are a lot of fun making fun of bands that we don't like. And we've talked about a few of those in the future and a couple in the past. Um, and then there are some that are dealing with bands that we love dearly. And there may be few other bands that you and I see so eye to eye on. I think that we both worship deeply and drink heavily from the cup of the Eggman and Walrus. It's true. Yes. yes. Uh, from the books of... John and the books of Paul from the the books of Revolver and White Album. Yes, and <clears throat> the books of the Rubber Soul, Soul. Yes. Uh, in which this song came from. Uh, the song, of course, that we're talking about, if you haven't read the title yet, is "Run for Your Life." Yes, and um, as far as Beatles songs go, I think we can both admit that this is at least not one of the best Beatles songs in the world. This is one of the best Beatles songs ever. Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm saying it is not. It is not. I, 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 I did think about this. I, I, I wonder because I have friends. I have a friend Brett, who you know, um, he grew up completely immersed in Beatles from a very, very young age. It was, one, it was some of the very first music that he listened to, and he knew you know everything about the Beatles while I knew. A little bit about the Beatles when I was younger, and if you ever just had to ask a question, he is of the ilk that would say there is no such thing as a bad Beatles song. Okay, and I I am of that as well. Are you? No, no. Okay. Um, I my mom's favorite band was the Beatles, and I actually still have a bunch of Beatles stuff from her being a child. Mm -hmm. Her her mom came awesome. from England. Wow. And I still have loads of um. You know, I, st I have some records that she had when she was young. and Were I they have, like mono British print? I'm not sure. I'd have to look through. Those I mean, expensive. I'm sure they've they they're not in good condition, even if I have them. even if they aren't they're, they're expensive. Um, yeah. But I have even some of the old uh, singles, mm -hmm. you know, with uh, with the uh, just like the seven, inch inches. seven inch records. Oh, wow. Um, That's great. So uh, my mom you know, basically cut her teeth on the Beatles and right. was a Beatle maniac uh, when she was very young. Um, I mean, I'm not in the realm of saying that this is a bad song, 
but I would say it's probably in the bottom 10 or bottom 20. It's in the bottom 10%. So at least, yeah. So at least we're not, um, you know, dealing with a song here that is like, you know, Strawberry Fields Forever or um, A Day in the Life. Or Blackbird, or, or something a, like, like a that. personal favorite of mine, baby. You're a rich man, right? Yeah, or exactly. yeah, your yeah. favorite Beatles song. Yes, that is my favorite Beatles song, definitely. definitely. Um, this is uh, this was one of this ended up being one of uh, John Lennon's least favorite songs. Yes, and we're gonna find out pretty quickly why. Yes, um, oddly enough, one of George Harrison's favorite favorites yes which is very strange i i don't find any of what you're telling me strange about this song because it it tells you it tells you something about the mindset of the songwriter which is obviously of course it's probably billed as it is billed as a lennon mccartney tune but you can tell usually by who's singing it and by the the uh, nature of the song which one probably dominated more in the songwriting you know this is a john song it tells you something about john and his mindset and, you know, he put himself out there with these lyrics, even though they are weak. Yeah. So uh, one thing I want to I, I kind of want to talk about that I don't think we've mentioned so far is as far as when we're picking songs. There are some songs that are low hanging fruit and there are some songs where the author is writing from the perspective of someone else where it is not their mm-hmm. their opinion. Right. And one example I always think of is like uh a Marilyn Manson, get your gun, okay. which I know is kind of a strange example. No, no, it's it's a good example. Um, but you know where you're you're talking from the perspective. This is a big Steely Dan thing. Um, writing from the perspective of characters, right? I mean, the get your gun, especially that's a good example because you know it's just I mean, a strange you know example because a lot of people don't know Marilyn Manson as yeah. As, but if you did, you would know. It's yes. it's just it's a hypothetical from him. You would know that. You know, it it is sung from the perspective of you know, uh, of, of others. Uh, yes, there are lots of, I don't think this is the case. I think you're looking into the heart of John. Lennon. Well, and that's exactly my point is that we are not dealing with something here where someone is saying bad things and messed up things. And, Oh, I was just trying to get in the mind of a complete fucking asshole. <laughs> this is coming from the mouth of a complete fucking asshole. Absolutely. Um, a lot has been documented about how he treated uh, Cynthia Lennon. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you want to go into that much at all. No, I don't we think can. We... we absolutely can because it tells you, it gives you insights into the song. By this time, you know, I, I think if uh, if anybody out there are Beatles people, or if you don't know the Beatles, by John uh, John was married, married to Cynthia Lennon from the early days of uh, Beatlemania. You know, he got married right at kind of the kickstart of Beatlemania around the uh, Reaper Bond, Germany, uh, Hamburg stuff. He had been married not long before that. Of course, Julian was born. But by the time that Rubber Soul came out, which was 65, he was drifting away. Of course, he was in a storm of women constantly, which also gives you a little bit of an insight or just an odd view of this song because it's a very possessive song. And at the same time, probably while he's writing this song, he could have had his pick of just about any woman in the world. Yeah, and, and the Beatles were at first, you know, told not to tell people that they were married. Exactly. So that way the... Oh, John, he was the only one that was married for pretty much the entire beginning. Yeah, yeah. but they even if they were dating someone, they didn't want anything oh, yes. to be known because they wanted the idea that they were single Available and that guys. they were ready to mingle, Yeah. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it also is probably worth to know before we start getting too into the lyrics. 
that the uh, the main line, the um, the line of "I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man," is from an Elvis Presley song. Now, if you look on the uh, Wikipedia of this song, I think the Wikipedia. Uh, expresses that it was pretty much that it was inspired and, and you kind of get that from that line there are people that I spoke that I've spoken to about this song that have said oh the song itself is inspired by the Elvis Presley song let's play house yes put them side by side the only similarity that you're going to hear is that one line you know find you with another man little girl you know or catch you with another man girl that's the end that's that's the kind of the only time that they really kind of match up. In Let's Play House, you know, you hear <clears throat> you hear Elvis Presley, um, God rest his soul, God rest his wonderful rock and roll. So by the by the way, it's a have you heard Let's Play House? I have. It yes. is a fantastic song. It's 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 it is classic, wonderful Elvis. And it's him, you know, uh it, it is not taken uh from the same viewpoint that John is writing from. It's a happy song. It's a fun song. It's just got that one little questionable line in it, and it's great. Um, you know, uh, it's John's song. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit darker. They don't really match up that much, except for the one line. So you can see where John probably drew from that one line, and that 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 one line might have given. I'm just speculating here. Might have given him. The inspiration, you know, or kicks kicked him into writing the rest of "Run for Your Life." Just that one line. Yeah, I'd say John's mm-hmm. version is a lot darker, not just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvis Presley's song, um, you know, is largely like begging and pleading for you know a woman to come back to him, and it isn't until later in the song that right. he he um, you know he starts <laughs> kind of getting into like threatening territory. Right. And yeah, the the Wikipedia article does say you know that. This it, it, it doesn't seem to say that what I had seen on the Internet in general wasn't that the song was inspired by it. Yeah. Um, but that it was inspired by. Um, right. Right. Uh, right. Let's by be clear just that line. Yeah. Like they just they just lifted that line and right. kind of like worked around it. It is. Um, um, it is. Uh, you know, let's play house. It, it uses classic American rock and roll tropes. I think he mentions a pink Cadillac in it. Mm-hmm. Things like that. It's yeah. you know, let's play. Let's play well, house. House, house, of course. General. House is of course a euphemism for the king's love of uh, water polo. So, um, <laughs> well, you know, we got to love the king and his water sport addiction. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Um. So yeah, this song um was, and I I said earlier that it was. George Harris, one of George Harrison's favorite songs. I should clarify, it was one of his favorite songs on Rubber Soul. Right. Uh, so just to make sure that we're uh, we're clear there, the song is really fucked up. And the first thing, well, I guess we can just get into the lyrics of it. Um, but I do want to point out. I guess we'll do it now before we get into the lyrics. No, let's get into the lyrics first. Okay. Let's do that because I have some other stuff you I want to say. On a thread there, I'm like, I know, I know. We'll say? get into it afterward. I, I'm trying Mr. to balance stuff before the song and after the song. I understand. Well, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. Just kick it right into the coffin off the bat. You better keep your head, little girl, or I won't know where I am. Hmm. Um. Yeah, threading right off. Just. And the music, how how happy the music sounds in the intro. It's great. 
is the music is great. Yeah, it's like a nice. It's a nice. Uh, it's a Beatles song. It's like a Beatles R and B song. Like a bluesy yeah. R and B, you know, little thing. Jumpy. Um, or I won't know where I am. What do you think he means by that? Do I you think th- you are listening to, and this is very indicative of John. And part of the reason why I, as as we were doing our research for this song, I kind of fell in love with this song. I know it sounds strange, but you're. You know, he's he was maybe one of the strong. He was one of the maybe the strongest personality. Oh, for sure in the band. Absolutely. And you know, and to hear this weakness kind of screamed, you know, through this jumpy pop song is just is strange, which I think is kind of awesome in a way. I mean, I know that it's sad. I know that these are incel lyrics from a very insecure point of view from a sad person, probably. Um, but it, it tells us something about John, you know, once again. And uh, I think that he's he's sad and insecure, you know, not knowing how to deal with a relationship at all. Yeah. I, part of me saw I, I won't know where I am is like, I don't know where you and I are together, like where I stand in your life. Part of me thought that he'd be so angry. He'd be seeing red. He wouldn't know which way was up. I think it's all about him. Yeah. I think it is. Well, I don't know where I am. He definitely talks a lot about himself and about her dying. Yeah. You better run for your life if you can, little girl. Right. Hide your head in the sand, little girl. Right. Catch you with another man. That's the end, little girl. And there's our Elvis reference right there. Well, no, no. The the Elvis reference is just, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. I'd rather see you dead. The first line right off. Um. Oh, multiple yeah. red i mean these flags are not just red they're almost purple uh you better run for your life if you can is alone like that's such a frightening line if you can the fact can't that keep up with me john lennon of course yeah, known for his cardio like if you can even do it <laughs> Yeah. He was smoking quite a bit at the time, Absolutely. so maybe she would have, you know, she was. And he was a little, he was a little heavier during, uh, during Rubber Soul. I don't know if you realize. Yeah, that, yeah, but. yeah. Um, the, it's, uh, it's also it adds a whole level of creepiness um, that he keeps referring to her as little girl. Mm. Um, it has, you know, kind of a, um, a wolf. Uh, dresses the grandmother feel to it. Yeah, predator prey situation. Yeah, yes. as well as making her feel lesser than and kind of diminutive yes um very 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 creepy hide your head in the sand little girl is a strange line to me in and of because in and of itself because to me hiding your head in the sand always means like keep yourself not in the know yes that's exactly what it is and i don't really know i I mean I guess he's just saying, like, don't look at other guys. I think he's um, uh, following the uh, the classic trope of the barefoot and pregnant wife. I think, you know, this this is probably a song to Cynthia. At, yeah. at this time, it, it's probably a song, you know, like, you need to keep your mouth shut, stay home, take care of the kids while I go out and do what I want. Um, catch you with a man that's the end, little girl. I mean, that's, it doesn't get much clearer than that. The second verse, well, you know that I'm a wicked guy. And... It's all about him once again. I mean, it's basically just coming right out and saying, yeah. like, if you were wondering if I, the thing about this song is he makes it, he just makes it so abundantly clear. He's like, I want to make it 100 percent clear what the fuck I'm saying. And I will tell you six ways to Sunday. So there is no question to be asked. And we get more into that. Yes, this goes with the alternate bit. title of this song, Not Beating Around the Bush. <laughs> 
Exactly. Or beating your fucking head in. Or, yeah, watch out, I bought a hammer today. Well, you know that I'm a wicked guy, so you already know that I'm a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was born with a jealous mind. (laughs) He's Um, just a sad guy, man. Yeah, he's just a jealous guy. He's just a sad guy. We'll we'll get into that. Of course, this was the '60s. They weren't as in the in the mid '60s. They weren't as refined to you know recognize jealousy for the empty emotion that it is. There was credence put into jealousy back then. You know. Yeah, Um, I was born with a jealous mind. So even if nothing's happening, I'm probably expecting that something is going on. And it and the irony there is, people that are immediately jealous are usually the ones most likely to cheat because they know what and, and there's no doubt that he was sleeping with well i mean oh aside from your phone i mean on. just sleeping with just uh uh a treasure trove every woman that that walked by you know at that moment is just you know i mean it's beatlemania man and we're in the throes of it in 1965 and then for some a plus gaslighting and I can't spend my whole life trying just to make you toe the line. It's it's he's covering every base here. He's really doing a good job of covering every base of trying to get her to do what he wants, you know, to to oh yeah, I can you know, look at all the work that I'm doing. You should, you know, you should listen. You should do what I'm, you know, everything that I'm suggesting, follow it to the T. What's this resistance woman? Well, I mean, you know, this this whole verse is you know that I'm, uh, you know how I am, and why are you making it my responsibility to make sure that you don't make me think that you might be sleeping with someone else? Right. It's like, not only am I going to threaten you that if I see you with another guy, but I'm going to tell you that, like, I shouldn't have to make sure that you don't even put yourself in a situation where I think that you might be sleeping with another guy. Yeah, I don't have time for this. Like, do. But he does. And he it's wrote like a song about it. Where, you know, he should be getting extensive therapy. Right. He's like, instead I'll write a song and let you know that I don't like having to worry about you. And this is peak why did you make me do this to you right you did now just i know we're stepping away for the song for one second here you do know that he did eventually get into therapy oh we will go into a lot of that oh, okay yeah, go right ahead go right ahead. this is some of the stuff that i wanted to touch on but oh yeah, I figured yeah. we get through the lyrics absolutely first. uh the course time again you better run for your life if you can little girl hide, hide your, your head, head in the sand. sand little girl catch you with another man that's the end little girl mm-hmm. um and Again, talk about beating a dead horse. Let this be a sermon. I mean everything I've said. Okay, so now he's likening this to... A preacher. A being a preacher. Yeah. I, th- my word is gospel. God, I'm, as we're sitting here, I'm like drawing parallels to him and Jimmy Swaggart. Right. And it just... <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it kind of li- they, they line up. They kind of do. Absolutely. I mean, that's sad. That's Absolutely. really sad. You know. Of course, the 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 most uh, the most repentance that I think Jimmy Swaggart ever did is I sinned against you, and then went right about his evil ways like right. everything else. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, I think that uh, I, I'm guessing that I, I'm not in the mind of John Lennon, although that's what we're trying to do here. That at one point he looked for a little bit of penance, you know, he looked for a little bit of redemption from the things that he did. But once again, that's to be discussed a little bit later. So, um, yeah, if if you're, if you're sitting there thinking, surely he's talking in in, uh, you know, he doesn't mean what he's saying. He's just 
speaking in idiom or he's speaking, you know, figuratively or whatever. Oh, no, he just doubled down. He wants down. you to know, let this be a sermon. I mean, everything I've said, baby, I'm a, I'm determined and I'd rather see you dead. <laughs> like, okay. this is him grabbing you by the shoulders and then grabbing the sides of your face, forcing his eyes into his eyes and saying, <laughs> listen, yeah, I... in case you don't fucking get it. Right. And in case you think I'm joking, let me tell you, I, John Lennon. John Winston Lennon. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I will kill you. This is not this is not a fucking drill. Right. I'm going to kill you. A lot of people don't know that this was in Cynthia's deposition for the restraining order that she got. Was it really? No. But oh. I mean, but you can just imagine that let this I mean, that, let, I mean, uh, Jesus Christ. I, if I if I was trying to restrain get a restraining order against him. Yeah, just show I the would, judge these I lyrics and I mean the gavel would come lyrics. down. I don't know that that, you know, I'm sure he could say Hey, well, Your Honor, I'm G, I'm an artist. It's songwriting. Just, just writing lyrics. I'm just getting on, and they're probably. But I mean, like, it's one of those things where I think even if you show the judge and he says, oh, "Okay, well, I'll strike that from the thing because you're an artist," right? I'd still be sitting there going, "This motherfucker's crazy." Oh, absolutely. This motherfucker is talking about he's going to fucking kill her. Right, right. But of course, I, in 1965, nuts. they're like, "Well, I saw him on the Ed Sullivan Show. He can't be that bad." You know? <laughs> right. He was on TV. He signed something for my daughter. <laughs> yeah. You better run for your life Probably if you can, more little girl. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Hide your head in the sand, little girl. Catch you with another man. That's the end, little girl. I mean, the chorus is just drive it on home. Mm -hmm. And the fourth verse, same as the first. I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. You better keep your head, little girl, or I won't know where I am. I, I mean, when I see that, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. I picture, you know, John in his mohair suit like following them in the bushes, you know, following Cynthia and her new boyfriend in the bushes, you know, with like a hammer or a baseball bat, like, you know, but but like ineffectually standing there and just looking at them angry, like picturing in his own mind what he's going to do. But he doesn't because he's weak, because if you know anything about John, you know that there is a weakness to him. There's also a lot of rage in him, which we're going to discuss in a minute. Yeah, I should uh, point out the last lyric is actually you won't know where I am. Or, yeah. More um, threats. Yeah, and I mean, uh, in, in the beginning he says, or I won't know where I am, mm -hmm. giving off, again, what I believe to be maybe that he, oh, he'll he be so angry that he won't know which way is up. You won't know where I am means he's coming after her. She does not know where he will be coming from. Right. She does not know what to expect. All she knows is that sooner or later he will be there. And he will kill her. Well, through the letter here, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's going. To, he's going to kill her, and she yeah. won't know what the fuck is coming. God, she just knows John. she'll be she'll be dead. Ted Bundy, much? Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ! You better run for your life if you can, little girl. Hide your head in the sand, little girl. Catch you with another man. That's the end, little girl. Except for a couple more na na nas. Yeah, uh, it's that's pretty much the end. But it, it speaks volumes about a young John Lennon. Now, yes, let's get into this. Let's get into this. How a much did bit. he repair it? Yeah, I mean, so obviously um, there are a couple different songs um, that the Beatles wrote after this um, that uh, or that that the Beatles and John Lennon wrote after this. The first one that comes to mind for me is Getting Better. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. But Getting Better, I believe, also, um, you know. Uh, has the line I used to beat my wife. You know, I used to. Well, so yeah. The, so 
Getting Better is largely a Paul McCartney song. Right. And um, might I say, first, the first, one of my top three favorite Beatles songs. It's a great songs. song. Yeah. The first and second verse are Paul McCartney. <coughs> the third verse is Paul McCartney and John Lennon together. Mm-hmm. I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. Man, I was mean, but I'm changing my scene and I'm doing the best that I can. It makes me feel good. Fool, just you that. fool. So, you know, we've got the summer of love. Mm-hmm. We've got the Beatles, you know, not, you know, as young coming around. Um this is, uh, of course, from the hit album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Absolutely. Band. Recorded a little bit later, but I feel like... Only in, two years. Yeah. Man, the evolution I, that they went through. Well, I was just going to say, to, to, be, to, to grow up a Beatle, mm-hmm. one year must have been like 10 years. Absolutely. Like and those those motherfuckers lived, man. And they, I don't I don't you know, I don't want to make this necessarily a Beatles appreciation podcast because I know that's not uh, what this is. We deal occasionally. You and I, I think, have both met a couple of people who don't get why the Beatles are big or don't or the importance don't like the Beatles or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to understand that everything from meet the Beatles to let it be and mm-hmm. Abbey Road. Happened within ten years. Yeah, yes. Ten, that is not that is not a typo. That is not a mistake. No. Ten years. Revolver and Rubber Soul came out in the same year. Yes. It was. They were. It was constant. It they was were putting non-stop. out two albums a year sometimes. And if you don't understand, most bands record an album every two to three years. They released, you know. Meet the Beatles, help. And then with the Beatles. With the Beatles. We're all like within a year. Yeah. And then, and then Rubber Soul. Uh, Revolver. Revolver. We're in the same year. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts well, Club Help Band. was in 64. The White Album, which is a double album. Right. Um, Magical Mystery Tour. It was 66. Which, which Magical Mystery, uh, Yellow Submarine. Magical Mystery Tour is maybe my favorite Beatles album, which oh, yeah, was not recorded that. as like an album album. Yeah. But this band was so good. Strawberry Fields Forever, Penny Lane, uh, Baby You're a Rich Man. Those were those were songs that weren't even on albums. Right. These songs they wrote Penny Lane and um and Sgt. Pepper in uh, uh Strawberry Fields Forever to go on Sgt. Pepper's and the label Didn't came to them it, and yeah. said we need stuff now to put out. And so they go, "Oh, we got these. You can take these." And they just Put them out as singles. Right, right. And then put another set of amazing songs on Sgt. Pepper's. I think there's a story about um, they're doing, they went in and they went to go listen to um, the Rolling Stones record. They went in to go, to go just at a, at a Rolling Stones. And the Rolling Stones were just in absolute awe of how they just came up with these songs from out of nowhere. And they went into a back room and came out like 30 minutes later with I Want to Be Your Man. You know, which eventually wow. became a Ringo song, but it just was, it was just so fast. I mean, it, it, it speaks so much about them as human beings and artists that the rapid pace of the evolution of their music from uh, Love Me Do and I Want to Hold Your Hand all the way to along the long and winding road, you know, is just, is 
fantastic. It's yes. just it's amazing. They were like right at the forefront. And like you said, we don't want to turn this too much yeah, into Beatles we're, appreciation we're a lot. But but the but the shock at how fast the evolution went and how strong and profound it was is just something that I don't think you're ever going to see happen again. Yeah, I it mean, can't, I don't think it can be done. Those ten. So basically, the point I'm trying to get at is those ten years for the for us you know when people that were alive then <laughs> um for the beatles must have felt like 30 or 40 yeah a year you know it was like dog years like it's just it's ridiculous the amount of stuff that they had gone through and learned and um obviously john meeting yoko and um you know getting to know her and like her talking about to him as as you know argumentative as it may be for a lot of people teaching him about scream therapy yes that's what i was getting things at. like that they went to primal scream therapy together mm-hmm. and they did that and you know how much of an impact that in specific had and a lot of people also don't know that there was a long period from like 74 to 77 i think where he just did nothing you didn't hear or or anything about um john lennon where i think a lot of the uh, the repairs to his psyche and his personality were made. You know, of course, it was not long after that Double Fantasy came out, which is just one of the most underrated, you know, if you take off, and I got to ask you about this in a second, if you take off the Yoko songs, is just one of the best things that he ever created, oh, yeah. man. It's just so good. He's my favorite post-Beatle Beatle as far as... Uh, mine's McCartney, yeah. but but I do not McCartney's deny... my third. <laughs> is he really? Wow. Yeah, George Harrison's my second. Yeah, mine's totally... I'm totally a McCartney fool. Yeah, and, yeah. That's, I, and I get it. I, I also think it's worth mentioning in the second verse sang by Paul McCartney, he does say, me used to be angry young man, mm-hmm. me hiding me head, head in, in the, the sand, sand, which has I'm not, to be. I, I mean, it could be a reference. It has to be. Talking about hiding your head in the sand, little girl. They learned so much in such a short period of time. You gave me the word I finally heard. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the best that I can. I mean, it's, this is, I'm getting goosebumps, you know, thinking about, and this is obviously a very controversial thing, and I would never tell anybody how they should feel about people who do terrible things in the past. But what we're seeing here is redemption and i think that it's true redemption and for me that's worth something but again it's easy for me to say because i'm not dealing with that that's on sergeant peppers and you just got me thinking of something that's on sergeant peppers and <clears throat> all you need is love is of course is that that's um that's magical mystery tour which they're very <laughs> close together and from Magical Mystery Tour to Sgt. Pepper's, you're seeing a lot of reflection and nostalgia. For yes. instance, All You Need Is Love. She loves you, yeah, yeah. They're Which looking back. I love I love that, that too. That I, I do too. I think it's one of the actually premier parts of, you know, other than Baby, You're a Rich Man, of that record, All You Need Is Love. I think that's a fantastic, fantastic song. It's it's like it's the other highlight of that record. Yeah. And just and, and a big part of it is that the nostalgia and the looking back and the reflection. So it has to be there in getting better what you're talking about, you know, the, the reflection on that song. Uh, you know, and him, you know, him getting better. A lot of people point to Yoko as, you know, the beginning of the downfall of the Beatles. And Yoko was not necessarily he had met her, I believe, around the time of Maybe Rubber Soul, um, but didn't, you know, he met her at an art exhibition in London uh, where she was, you know, put had put out some of her art. And he didn't really, um, 
I don't know how much he connected with her, but she was there like in the background sending him letters for quite some time until they actually hooked up in 67 and started to become John and Yoko, you know, and, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of people, I'm not a huge, I'm not a fan of Yoko. I do not think, you know, I, 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 there are people out there that say, you know, she's progressive. It's avant-garde. It was her art. Um, I view her, uh, and a lot of my view has to come from the Bob Spitz book, The Beatles, which I highly recommend. If you really want to learn about The Beatles, that's the book to read. Um, that she was, I look at her as a little bit more of an opportunist. Um, a lot of people say that she's the one that changed John Lennon and therefore changed The Beatles. You know, I would go a step further and say that, you know, a lot of it, uh, could have been Patty Boyd. Patty Boyd was the one that uh, introduced them to the Maharishi Mahesh Yoga Yogi, where they went to, uh, you know, and of course she uh, took. Yeah, you know, a lot. Of, there are people with that, some of the Beach Boys. Yeah, with Mike Love. With Mike Love. <laughs> um, but you know, they they point to you know her as well. You know, P- Patty Boyd is being part of the downfall. You know, uh, you know, I would much more say Patty Boyd. You know, her connection to the downfall of Beatles. You can also point to her downfall of the Eric Clapton. Um, ultimately, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. uh, you know, a lot of this had, but you can't specifically point it at the women. That's stupid, and that's one sided. Yes, the, the men have to, you know, have to, uh, they have to make these decisions that they're going to do these things, uh, you know, and they're grown men, and yeah. and John Lennon was a grown man. It, my love of this song, it, I think, is fully formed in that if we were to sit here and I did not know anything about the rest of John Lennon, about the, the totality of his life. You could leave it there and say, well, this guy, with this song alone, with this song alone, even with all this, the things before, and say, this guy is a shithead. Yeah. However, I believe in redemption. And I believe that John Lennon shot for it. I truly do. And uh, speaking of his solo stuff, there is a song that he wrote, uh, started writing when he was in the Beatles, um, and he initially uh, had a demo of it called Child of Nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was dreaming of the past and my heart was beating fast. I began to lose control. I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm sorry that I made you cry. I didn't want to hurt you. I'm just a jealous guy. Yeah. Was clearly him post Beatles grown up. Yes. Realizing what he had done. Yes. And further seeking retribution and further seeking, you know, to uh, to iron out any issues um, with himself that he had right knowing you know that he and it, this is not to say that when he was with um with yoko he was perfect mm-hmm. you know a lot of people have heard about the lost weekend right and about, yeah, yeah yeah and all N- of that Nilsen, stuff the time he with spent Harry with him Nilsen. oh god he's um, so great and uh it's a very very interesting stuff if you're into music and documentaries There's, of course you should also know that all of this that you're speaking of coincides with the time that he was actually plotting the murder of Paul for all of his success. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the lyrics for Jealous Guy, um, you know, with him talking about having a jealous mind, again, is just clearly another reference where he's like, the things I did in the past I can't change, mm-hmm. but I can't, you know, I can't change how the book started, but I can change how the book ends, and him, you know, trying to do that, mm-hmm. attempting to do that. And yeah, history uh, changes. The past is the past. You know, you can't change it. Yeah. And I mean, like some people and, are of the opinion again. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, some people are of the opinion that once you're, you know, once you do something, uh, there's no telling, you know, whether or not someone will be able to to, uh, you know, truly change. And some people will forever be skeptical or ever hold someone to the worst uh, things they do. And I'm not here to tell you you can or can't do that. 
that's a decision for you to make. But personally, um, you know, people tend to look at people, especially people that don't like the Beatles, it seems, tend to look at the bad things he did and act like it stopped there. Yeah. Uh, and these dogs seem and, to. I don't know if they'll come up on the. They're recording, mad at but John Lennon. They, yeah, yes, they are. They well, are. they're they're yelling one way or another. But um, but yeah, I mean, the song is just terrible. The song on itself is of its in and of itself is terrible. If you uh, you're but right, him, him being embarrassed to have written it. If you see it, you know. If you see the 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 totality of it, if you see the big picture. I think it's part of a a wonderful oh god I hate to use this word tapestry of John Lennon. I mean it really but it really is man. It it's it's part of a of of a of a you know of of a long thing. You know, we all experience rage in our youth. He did, you know, he lost his mother at a young age. There's a big part in the Spitz book where, you know, they cover how he attacked a journalist at a party in Liverpool Liverpool for suggesting that him and Brian Epstein had a gay relationship when they went off to France together. You know, there's there's all kinds of the, the, his treatment of Cynthia, his treatment, you know, in later years of the rest of the Beatles. There was there's a rage to him, but we are human, you know. We are yeah. human beings, and to watch the 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 grace that man when when we started working on this and we started going over this, did you think that this was going to turn into the feel good episode of lyrics to go? <laughs> the, I mean, I the guess, kumbaya episode. You know, there's the way of looking at in and of itself as as one piece of music, right? Um, without looking, you know, at the tapestry mm-hmm. as you put it. And there is there is the other end where you're looking at someone who, even though he was a piece of garbage, he was a self-aware piece of garbage, which is what you need. The first step is admitting mm-hmm. that you're wrong. Absolutely. And this, you know, was in large part kind of him almost signing for help, saying, like, you know that I'm fucked up and you have to you have to know that you have a jealous mind and know all these awful things to be able to start seeking, mm-hmm. you know, the help you need. And the help you need came from Yoko Ono and from him just, like, being into her artwork, falling in love with her and her being Sean. like... I think Sean had a lot to do with it. Yeah, Julian did not. He was a complete Sadly. piece of shit to, to Julian yeah. and was basically not there. Even in the later years, he was kind of a, a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. And might I add, Yoko has been a total stone-cold piece of shit to Julian and his mother yeah. throughout the years to this day. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we all... We, which is what drives me to say that I'm not a fan of Yoko, yeah, you yeah. know. I don't think that there's... That she ever really rounded herself out, you know, the way John did, you know. Um, 1973 interview, he later said this, it's a song he most regretted writing. Um, you know, and uh, uh, there's a... I think it's kind of funny. There's a critic uh, for all music named Thomas Ward who uh, criticized a song calling it, quote, arguably the weakest on rubber soul and one of the lesser items in the entire songbook, he further criticized the song's lyrics by calling them trite he, he can call them trite i don't he, know he, but he can't go so far as to say that they're uh you know that they're damaging and fucked up to women and that they're gaslighting yeah he just says trite i mean i do think that the for what it's worth i do think that the rhyme scheme is a little and it's the same you know like it's the same first and fourth it's verse. not all my loving no, but it's a, if you were to replace it with some upbeat, positive lyrics, it's a rock and fucking song, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, look, it's 
in the world of Beatles, and it's stuff, got a cool George solo in it. I mean, as far it's as it's not I a think. George solo. It's not. It is not. Oh my God, that sounds and like a George solo. That's actually one of the uh, one of the things that a lot of people criticize it for is how like the, how simple the guitar solo is. You're telling me John played that solo? That is what is believed. Yes. Wow. I think it's a cool solo, and it sounds like a George solo. Yeah, I uh, I I think the guitar. Well, maybe. It's it. This is what is said by Ian McDonald. Okay, who is an authority? Yes, yes. The guitar work, some of which is badly out of tune, is similarly rough. The piercing, simplistic blues solo, suggesting that the player was not Harrison but Lennon himself. But it suggests. It suggests. Yeah. Yes. Which, I mean, which. And I and I'm a weirdo, man. I'm a I'm of the black school, black flag, Greg Ginn school of. I don't mind a little bit of an out out of tune guitar solo. Oh, I think sometimes it adds character. Close you enough know? for punk rock. Yeah, yeah, say, exactly. In and the then, tuning and I, that's which is part of why I think you know it is a, it's an unusual one. I wouldn't be shocked if it's John playing it because John could play. Right, right. John could absolutely play, was, especially when you watch the later years of you know like what he did on the the rock and roll circus and you know bank. When you see him play, you realize, oh my God, he can he can actually play. He's not, you know, he's not the the soloist, the Don Rich. So yeah. to speak, of the group that George Harrison was, but the guy had talent. I mean, John. <clears throat> when people look at, at at the Beatles and they go, you know, Paul, he was the one that was, you know, the accomplished musician and the one that could do all the singing. Man, Lennon could harmonize with the best of them, right up there with uh, with with uh, George and Paul. Yeah, he really could. He had. It wasn't just the artistic songwriting that he was good at. Right. He had music ability. They were so well rounded as a group. And this is not going to turn into we love the Beatles love fest. You know, we got a right. point here. Um, a couple <clears throat> things before we wrap up. First of all, uh, I have mentioned to you there is a great um, cover album called This Bird Has Flown with yes. a bunch of fantastic covers. Mark introduced me to this. It is definitely worth listening to. And this song is done by the Cowboy Junkies, which I think anybody covering it these days has to be a woman singing it. And uh, it is her singing uh, Run For Your Life, but saying Little Boy. And it definitely takes a lot of the power back. It's similar to something that Steely Dan does when they do dirty work. They have the backing vocals singing it and kind of changing uh, from, a, from a man singing it to women singing it. And um, it definitely gives uh, a good deal of the power back. Second, uh, if I had a, if I had my say in it, I would take this song off of Rubber Soul and I'd put Rain on it, or some some other like lesser known B side from around yeah, that era. Rain's and it excellent. would I mean Rubber Soul's a fantastic album, obviously, but I think this song will forever make me cringe, even though musically it's good and lyrically it's honest. I think it's just it's always made me cringe and. Uh, and so if I think if you took that off and through uh, through rain or through something from from that area, that was like a area that was like a B side. Right. Holy shit. It would be shit. Penny Lane. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, Penny yeah. Lane. It would it would strengthen the album. But I think that was a little bit early for Penny Lane. It was, you know, Penny yeah, Lane was, Penny closer, Lane was definitely Sergeant Pepper. Closer to Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. yeah. Um, are we going to bang bang? Bang bang. Are we going to do the bang bang? Are we going to do the two twofer? Oh, on the. I think we should. All right. So next up, we get something unprecedented, something yeah. we haven't done yet. That I'm actually, 
after the you know there were there's been ones that you know we didn't enjoy doing i enjoyed this because of the depths that we could go and i get to sit here and talk to a friend about a beatles song you know that's that's unusual that's uh that's out of the ordinary and this has been wonderful this has been one of the more fun ones to oh, record yeah. um and, and there are different levels so what we do is you know as far as do we like the person do we like the song is this one song out of the catalog that we like or um you know or is it something that we do we just universally hate it right we're getting to that yeah i we've we've said we're only going to try and do one thing for each band and though we could have done multiple for for past bands but for this band we gotta i i mentioned one song and um then i immediately heard another song from the same band this band is to me what the stroke and billy squire is to seth (laughs) The band is Train, and the songs we're going to be doing is Drops of Jupiter and Hey Soul Sister. Um, I can't even get into it because this episode will end up running another 20 minutes. I'm going to like this. This is going to be so juicy. I'm going to like doing this a lot. The lyrics are just enough to where people probably really like them, and I can't stand them, and I cannot wait to rip them to shreds. I've heard these lyrics... A, a million times and i knew i didn't like them but when we went when you when we're when we started to do our preemptive dissection this one could be like a tolstoy i mean a, lo- a war and peace man yes, it could go absolutely. on for a while with with what we got to work with here. yes it was the drops of jupiter it was the drips of jupiter drips of- <laughs> it was the best of fried chicken it was the worst of fried chicken <laughs> it's the only song <laughs> In the, I think in the last twenty years that we've heard that's that that has a line about a latte in it. Oh God! I mean, it's I cannot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Uh. And I guess that's that. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. I'll talk to you. Uh, we'll be. Uh. We'll be back next week. We'll be. Uh. Geared up for next week. Thanks, Mark. Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics2gopod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week.